Hello and welcome back to the Sports Battle, Monday the 20th of July. Um, just myself and Brenton this week, Johnny, Johnny's off this week, but we'll hopefully have him back on next week. And um, we know you'll be listening anyway, JD, and big hugs and big kisses from the two lads here. You've had a brilliant week with Liverpool and Arsenal. Liverpool getting beat and Man City getting beat at the hands of Super Mikel Arteta. And um, we're going to let Johnny do a voice message during the week for our podcast coming up at the end of the week because we will be talking to Peter Smith from the Stoke Sentinel about the brilliant job Michael O'Neill has done. So that is that marked out of the road. Brenton? Hello. Decent weekend for yourself. Um, Decent weekend, yes. We're going to get into that. Chelsea, obviously, and Arsenal are into the FA Cup final. Leicester were thumped by Spurs to sort of give Chelsea another boost in the race for top four. Uh, Leeds are back. You're not too happy with that one, but we'll we'll talk about that briefly. Um, um, Watford are the most mental team in the Premier League at the minute. Loads of stuff going on. Just before we came on as well, folks, Nathan Aki, supposedly a deal is close for him to join Man City for a £35 million deal. Uh, I, I don't don't enjoy Man City at all, but that is a brilliant bit of business if they get that done. And for that price, it's just oh, it's actually unreal. I think it's a very good deal. But Brenton, Let's talk about yesterday first before we talk about what happened obviously on Saturday evening as well. Um, that was a really solid performance from Chelsea. Uh, and, and and they played Manchester United four times this season and United beat them three times and scored eight goals, only conceded one. So it was sort of went against the green. But for once, and I, and I'm, I'm, I don't mean to, to jest here, Chelsea looked solid. And what did uh, you make of what did you make of the formation change? And what would you use that going forward now? Well, that's that's the question. That's the big question. Um, f- first of all, um, great result, great performance, um, great attitude. Which I think that third point is maybe the most important one. Um, certainly after West Ham and Sheffield United. Uh, the attitude was a thing that Lampard himself was questioning the most and it was the most obvious thing that uh, you could see watching the game that was missing. Um, but, the, you know, the attitude certainly, the, the correct attitude certainly was there um, from, you know, right throughout the team. Like there was several players could have got man on the match. I thought Rhys James was excellent, excellent Mason Mount, Giroud, Jorginho was good. Kovacic was solid. Um, Alonso. Alonso, yes. Um, you know, they they were all, you know, applied themselves 100%, which is, you know, obviously that's sort of the least you require from um, your team. But, yeah, tactically, um, it was very good. Um, it was sort of... Um, it was a a pat in the back, a pat in the back for Frank Lampard, I would think. Um, some people maybe don't think he has that talent, and you know he's he says himself he's learning all the time, and um, I, I think they 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 picked the right team and they picked the right shape to play against United. Um, I don't think they thought United were going to match them up like that. I think Lampard said after the game, which was interesting. Um, but it was all about the um, the pressing and the aggressive nature that the the players um, didn't let United build attacks because the you know it's United have maybe been the best team uh, performance wise 
since we started up again. Um, barring the last couple of games because they're tired, but we'll talk. I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about that as well yeah. when we talk about United. Um, but the thing that they've been let do uh, is to build attacks and to get into a rhythm. And the whole idea from Lampard was to um, set up his team so that they couldn't do that. As Blaquata came in the midfield to tackle, to follow Rashford in and tackle him. And they fouled, you know, they fouled more than any other game they've played this season in the Premier League. Um, well, I'll have to shout out Liam on that one because that was his stat. So I don't want to be stealing stats like Liam Toomey at the Athletic. Um, which was, you know, that's that's important. That tells you what he told his players to do. Um, was to go out and be aggressive. Now, they weren't uh, over the top with it, uh, but they just got at United and, and didn't let them build attacks, which was so important. And then the attacking players were sort of let go and do their thing. Mason Mount was absolutely excellent. Uh, pressing high up the pitch, Giroud um, basically wrestled with Maguire the whole game. Um, I thought Giroud, Bretton, I thought Giroud was outstanding. I think that's mm. one of the best I've seen. I mean, the thing with Giroud is... And we, me and Brent talk about this because um, we're best friends for life all the time and we're watching games in either of my house or his house where we're talking about all the time. And I always mention Giroud and the World Cup. He didn't score a goal in the World Cup and he got absolutely pillared and kicked from pillar to post about it. But he was so pivotal. And France would not have won that World Cup without him. No way. Because he's so pivotal up front. And they're, they're different players, but... Firmino gets this now that because he's not scoring goals and he's number nine. But it's people aren't looking at it. In, in that way, they're not looking at how important these players are to set attacks up, or for, they're different players. But that yesterday, Jury was manhandling Maguire, was going on Lindelof, and they couldn't deal with him. And obviously, Bay as well. And thankfully, Eric Bay is okay because that looked really nasty. Yeah. Um, it's never a good idea to clash heads with uh, Kurt Zuma or Harry Maguire, and to do it in the same game is, is a dreadful, dreadful idea. But thankfully, he's all okay, and he'll probably. I don't know if he play the rest of the season. Not sure what concussion protocols are, but. He's making a recovery, which is brilliant. But Giroud was just so uh, physical yesterday. But mm-hmm. he's so clever too. Like he's not he's not a big bruiser. Giroud he's a strong, big, beautiful French man. But he, his his touches are brilliant, and we'll talk about it. That first goal probably should have been saved. Uh, mm-hmm. I think David De Gea in two thousand seventeen would have saved it, but De Gea now doesn't save it, and he and he does fumble it in. But it's a lovely touch from Giroud. He gets in front of Lindelof. And just flicks it, and that's what he's good at. He's so good at, and, and I just want you to like. We were probably looking at Giroud when he first signed, right? And I was like, okay, like we're adding Giroud in, squad player. Then Tommy Abraham has to start this season where he's flying, and especially the Wolves game where he gets a hat trick. It was unbelievable that game. But Giroud has just quietly chipped away, chipped away, chipped away, and I think he's now he's one of your most important players. I think you need him on Wednesday night, big time. If he, if say if he was missing on Wednesday night. I would fear for you to get a result. That's how important I think he is to, to that Chelsea build-up and that team. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. He's he, he does all that stuff and he has been accused of not scoring goals, but he scored five goals in his last seven games for Chelsea as well. So he's adding that in yeah. to what he already does, which is what you know what is already so important. The, the holding up, the bringing players in, um, you know, the laying it off, etc., etc. He's <clears throat> I'm so glad he uh, signed that extension in uh, in January when he did because he was very close to to leaving Chelsea and you know goodness knows how many points he's he's won us since then and you know how important he could be at hopefully uh, securing um, Champions League football for next season and maybe winning the FA Cup. 
you know, Chelsea have been very good recently at getting value out of players, um, whether that be selling them at a high price or bringing them in at a low price. And Chelsea have certainly got the value out of Drew. Like, since he's come to Chelsea, he's won the FA Cup, the Europa League, the World Cup, not to do with Chelsea, but, you know, it's on a CV. Um, and, you know, he's in another FA Cup final. Um, and I think that is a great return for what Chelsea um, fans would have thought when he first signed, you know, when he first signed, a lot of Arsenal fans were were kind of thinking he was done, and it was a bit of a strange deal. But um, I love him. Um, I think he's he's brilliant, and he he really cares about you know because he knows that these things have been thrown at him, and I think he really cares at proving himself and his attitude, according to Lampard and and all the staff, has been top notch. Um, all season when you're right in, in saying that Abraham had a good start and Drew did not get a look in before Christmas really um, but he's kept plugging away and you know since the turn of the year he's, there's an argument that he's been our player of the season There, There is Real Madrid obviously won the Liga on Thursday night there and pivotal to Real Madrid was, was the Spain mm-hmm. so they obviously have Courtois Ramos Casemiro and then Benzema Right, and I think Chelsea don't have a spine yet because I'm not sure about Kepa, and obviously the centre half is an issue. We need we will we will chat about that numerous times. But you have Giroud, and I think going forward next season, and I, and I, he has like surprised me too this season how he's come back into it. And I, I said when you were linked with Werner, maybe you'll go with Werner, Ziyech, and Pulisic and go small. Mm-hmm. But since then, because obviously Lampard listens to our podcast, obviously, like obviously. he keeps mentioning and you keep hearing about how Chelsea need to maintain height in this squad, maintain height in this squad, maintain height in this squad and physicality. So it must be exciting then if you're going to have Werner on one side and Ziyech potentially the other, or Pulisic or one of them behind, and then Giroud and him able to play off all these little ones and, and feed them through. Like that is so exciting going forward next season. And we're going we're gonna to move on to about obviously. United and City and Arsenal in a minute, but Kai Havertz mm. as well looks like it's going to done. And this is the spine I'm talking about. You add in Kai Havertz in behind Giroud, and then I still think you need a centre half and potential goalkeeper. That's I don't know what you think about that. There, Lampard is really building, and regardless of what happens now, now if you don't make top four and you fall out of it, you lose the FA Cup. It'll be bad. It will be bad. But he's got those players in now, and it's this time next season. Where I think Frank Lampard should be judged, and that's not. I'm just not saying that because you're my best mate. But this time next season, you should look at Lampard, and and if you're the same spot again, then there is going to be ch- talk of no, he's he's not cut for it, you know, because football doesn't give you time anymore. Mm-hmm. You're not given time. But I think with that season going forward, if you can add a centre half in, if you can add a quality quality centre half in, I'm not talking about one of the world leaders, just another solid quality centre half in. What a team potentially Chelsea have going in the next season. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about Spain there as well. You know, we can't leave Kante out. Um, That's who I forgot him. I forgot him. I couldn't think of him. Paul yeah. Gizangolo. Yeah, um, he's so small. You you probably forget him, but um, I he, leave the wee man alone. Um, he's he's part of that Spain too. You know, and if you do Alan Havertz, and then you know, say you go with there's options there. If you if you go with Giroud and you have Pulisic and um, Ziyech or Werner or whatever it is. Surely that's gonna excite Giroud for adding goals to his game as well. Ziyech, one of the best crosses of the ball I've seen the last couple of years, certainly against Chelsea, he was 
Um, and Werner, you know, those cut and runs he likes to make and we pass this across and we know how deadly Giroud is at the front post like he showed against United. He's great at making those runs. Um, so that's exciting. That's good. The problem is hopefully going forward, Chelsea will think about possibly investing in their um, defence. Um, Would you buy a goalkeeper? Uh, it's hard because um, I don't think we're going to be able to get rid of Kepa and as I sort of mentioned earlier, Chelsea don't really um, sell um, players lower than what they bought them for, kind of. Um, they might and, have to, though, to balance the books, which is the yeah. issue now, isn't it? Because even though financial fair play was made a fool of last week when Man City got the biggest win in Europe, winning that case, that cast case, um, you know... Chelsea will need to balance the books because they can't just go in now and just make fools of it because of what's happened before. And we know UF will probably stamp down on this now. They'll be looking to make a, 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 a number on someone. Mm-hmm. So you, I know you said that, but I, I could see there's links with Onana, uh, the Ajax goalkeeper, and, and I could see saying something like that happening, them, they, them selling kept off for a, a low deal to get rid of him. Potentially Barkley, probably you're talking about. Um, Tammy Abraham's maybe Loftus Cheek. I know you're a big fan of all these players. Are probably going to be looked at now. As unfortunately, going to have to let you go. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be another big decision for Lampard because he's never had to do that before. Yeah. Because at Derby's yeah. only there for a year. When he came in this year, Chelsea Hazard was gone. So mm-hmm. it was like, whoa, let's just keep everyone here and see what we've got for a season. So it's going to be interesting to see how he deals with that too. Yeah, that's the the cap one's probably the biggest one of the summer. I would think um, players like. Uh, you know, we don't know what's going to happen happen at left back, but players like Emerson and I know Lazo was good yesterday, and in the right system, he can offer you something. But defensively, definitely not. Um, but players like that and players like Barkley, you know, he's, he's shown bits and pieces, but there there may not be room for him, especially if they do sign Havertz. Um, they're going to be easier to get rid of, I would think, um, because their you know their price wouldn't be as high as what Capus would be, um. But, you know, the issue is with the board then, are they going to sell him at a lower price? Are they going to keep him, sell Caballero, bring him in and bring whoever it is in, Onana, whoever it may be, and keep Kepa and see, you know, what happens, whether his value can go up or loan him out, which is also, you know, an option, Um, like a two-year loan with an option to buy or something like that back to Spain. I know that's been spoken about, but, yeah, there's a lot of, this this will be it'll be interesting summer for Chelsea and for Lampard because he hasn't really like those were kind of two no brainers the Werner and the Ziyech ones but when when it comes to making decisions about us building a squad he hasn't really had a transfer window to do that yet mm-hmm. so um that'll be that'll be really interesting especially defensively to see what he does you know in that in the current market um you know he might have to get rid of a center half. Or two. Would you? We obviously mentioned it, or I don't know if we mentioned it before this, or maybe we didn't, but Nathan Aki obviously is close to agreeing um, that mm-hmm. deal with Man City. Would that, that not have been one you'd have looked at yourself then? And uh, a heartbeat. Him back? Yeah. And an absolute heartbeat. He's a left sided centre half, and Man City just seen the love buying left sided defenders. They spent 150 million on defenders alone last year. I think it's a good addition, even though he is not a left-sided centre half. The man said, "I think he's a brilliant addition to get in because he's a very good centre half." But it's not one you look at as a Chelsea user, Chelsea fan, thinking, 
Ah, uh, we added him in. Yeah, he can play Beside on a number Rudiger of positions. Or, yeah, Iggy can. Like, he can play across the whole back line. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, Ethan Abadou as well is somebody who can play a number of positions and who's still on loan. So, yeah. um, going back out on loan, I think. Chelsea still have a loan army, basically, um, <laughs> that they can call on, which you, which you kind of forget about because they're, they've brought through so many players from the academy itself this year. But, um, yeah, even adding that in, like, there's so many, um, potential squads we could have at the start of at the start yeah. of next season. Look, we, we have to talk about your opponents. Mm-hmm. Um yesterday now I don't want to upset anyone here, but um they were shite. <laughs> um which like uh, and that's not harsh, that is truth. Like you ha- like they were poor and ch- yeah. as you said, Chelsea didn't allow them to play and you you touched on it. They looked fatigued again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this part I was talking to a good friend of mine um, hello, Harry. Um, he, go, he goes to the Manchester United game. He's been gone since the 80s. All the cup fans. He's a diehard. I think some of the lads listen to this will know him. Um, well, that mentions second name for, for his privacy. And he said to me the other day in work that, um, you know, yeah, it's it's been great. Don't get me wrong. And they, and they are flying going forward in the front three. Greenwood, Rashford, Marshall. Are, they're brilliant to watch. So exciting to watch. Um, but everything at the back just isn't right. And he And he, and he said, like, He's not a Solskjaer fan now. Um, he wants Pochettino in, but he was saying they looked busted. They looked goosed. And he predicted this was going to happen on Sunday. He, he predicted Chelsea going to beat United on Sunday because he says, we just look goosed. He hasn't rotated enough. I know Solskjaer said that, and we said it last week, he has made, made changes at 60 minutes and all this here, but it's not the same. Mm-hmm. Players aren't refreshed. They played on Thursday night, and they looked laboured again on Thursday night. And it look, look yesterday again. If I was an United fan, I'd be sort of worried now about this West Ham game because West mm-hmm. Ham have found a bit of form and and they look really strong and they look they look fit. West Ham, where this United team don't and like yes, De Gea, De Gea made more mistakes. He just looks the shadow of himself. I don't know what it is. Whether it's it's the fact that um, he doesn't have any interest from Real Madrid anymore. So he, he like when when Real Madrid were chasing him, he was at his peak, mm-hmm. or. I think Johnson Wilson touched on it today in in the Guardian. His piece was about De Gea and maybe that whole World Cup, 2018 World Cup. You know the the first game against Portugal where he fumbled the free kick. Yeah. Well, that um that or not the free kick, he fumbled a shot. Whether that has made him since then, he hasn't been himself, and whether he hasn't been able to shake it or is there a physical issue with De Gea? He just doesn't look safe anymore. He looks like the first goal, the flick on from Giroud. You can sort of say okay with that one because he does get something onto it but it goes over the line but the Mason Mount one that's really poor really really poor for, for, for a leading goalkeeper at one of the biggest clubs in the world it's not good and Susker has an issue now because we talked last week we don't we don't think Maguire should be his number one so we should add someone in definitely and then this happens again so if I'm Solskjaer, like he has everything at the front going brilliant he's got Bruno Fernandes in uh, we don't know about Pogba yet because we don't know what's going on there. Maddox is playing like some of his best football again. He's playing really well. And now this happens again. So I don't know where he goes from here. Like, does he go with Dean Henderson? Do they go after a number one, another number one goalkeeper? Or I don't think De Gea... I think De Gea's days at Manchester United certainly is the number one. For a little while, it could be a chance of giving them a breather. Or certainly in doubt, like because it, the last two seasons just haven't been good enough. And... And it, it sounds silly because he was so good for them for so many years and he kept them alive and different things and he was unbelievable and there is certainly supposed to be a bit of loyalty but if you're Manchester United with the aspirations they have 
there is a question they need to start asking themselves. Do we have to think about replacing David here? Or David is the final. David here and, and who are we going to bring in? Yeah, I think um, since this restart, um, there's possibly a, an opportunity for a Spanish goalkeeper to get into that squad because Kappa and De Gea both look like they don't want the number one spot there. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's one thing I would say. Um, yeah, he, he, um, it's an issue definitely. It's their biggest issue is the goalkeeper. And I know defensively they, you know, they've been exposed um, when they're playing better teams as well. Um, like I know to give context to this, um, after last week's pod, um, we got a bit of abuse. To be fair, um, we don't mind our... it. Like I don't, I, no, I, no, I, I must say that I don't, I don't mind it. Like I, I do not mind it at all. And come at me at Twitter. I'll have a debate with anyone, and and if I'm wrong and proven wrong, I happily take it. I don't care about that. Like, but go That's ahead. What it is. So it's, uh, we love a debate, and we always want you to send in. You know, if you disagree with us, if you agree with us or, or not. Um, but yeah, we sort of gave Maguire a bit of a roasting. Um, and uh, the entire team, uh, <laughs> just <laughs> about their um, their performance. Um, it was against who was it against Southampton. Southampton, yeah, and Solskjaer as well. We talked about the possibility of the team being tired and about. Tactically, could he do anything else, really? He tried to do that against Chelsea. It really did not work. Also, he, in my opinion, rested the wrong players. Um, Pogba didn't need to be arrested, I don't think, out of everyone. Fernandez probably should have did. been arrested. Yeah. Um, because he looked tired. Rashford should have been arrested. Um, you know, instead of Greenwood, Greenwood hasn't played as much football as Rashford this season. None of that made sense to me. Plus, Rashford only back from injury. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It. Um, and also, you know, um, Maguire. I mean, I don't know if it's the pressure. People keep talking about the pressure of the money, the fee uh, that was paid for him. But he also looked like he needed rested because, it, it, yeah, there was. Uh, there's a clip going around on social media, and I know people do target him, but that series um, yeah. of of yeah. play where he was being chased, by, when, and somebody also pointed out, when you're being pressed by Jorginho, you're in trouble, because <laughs> Jorginho is among the slowest players I've ever seen in my life. Um, I reckon baby, baby Finn would beat Jorginho in a race. Oh, I mean, he seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Jorginho pressed him into, and then you know took the ball off his own player. He passed it straight to, I think it was Reese James or Alonso. Um, he looked, he looked terrible. That, um, that, that, and that's a clip. And don't get me wrong, people can say, "Oh, you can, you can edit a clip," because I didn't see yes last week's result or last week's game against Arsenal. Uh, I didn't watch it live, but Van Dijk had a nightmare. He made a yeah. mistake because people are human, and then so did Allison, which which is a really sick joke. Don't ever do that again. Used to, but it was you know it was, that can happen. But the bit I was, if I was an United fan, I'd be worried about. There was a break in the second half. It was down Brandon Williams, Brandon Williams side. Um, Reese James left him for dust, and Harry Maguire, like, didn't realize, like, didn't mm. on, didn't know that there was two Chelsea players behind him didn't spot that danger until it was far too late and then was laboured coming back do you know what I mean wasn't getting back in and mm-hmm. it's the one where it hit Reese James went out for a corner yeah, or hit Brandon yeah. Williams went out for a corner and if you look at it again 
Heimgard doesn't see the runners at all behind him. Doesn't he isn't able to track anyone back and and a better ball. Um, well, the ball goes past him in the first place, which isn't cut out, but a better ball in by Rhys James, and that's four one. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was really really poor. And, and if I was an United fan, and this isn't us just saying this, but I would look at things like that and think, right, okay, no, that that's not right. There's something. You know, just not set yet with Harry Maguire, and it is a bit of the pressure. Is it the fact that he's he's also captain? Yeah, he, he's been. I was just about to make that point. He's been shoehorned into that role yeah. as Manchester United captain because he's he's big. He's a centre half. He wins headers. Um, you know, he's. It's as if they're trying to mould him into uh, that yeah. role as Manchester United captain. I don't think he. I, I've made this point with a couple of friends during the week. I don't think he's good enough to be at United, uh, kind of full stop. Um, he's certainly not good enough to be your... Talisman. Your, yeah, at the back, you know, your your number one, your captain. I think he would perform better beside somebody who can lead him. Um, if you put him beside Virgil van Dijk, yeah. all right? And that's not... I, I, I love Joe Gomez, so whatever. But if you put him beside Virgil van Dijk, I wouldn't have an issue, really. I, I, I would think... Like with him beside Van Dyke after a certain number of games, that'd be a really, really solid centre half. And if you let him just do like a bit like David Louise on Saturday, Arsenal let Arsenal took the pressure off David Louise because they had two centre halves beside him. And they let David Louise do what David Louise is good at, which is like heading things away and throwing himself in front of things, playing sub- sublime passes at times, David Louise. With no risk, kind of basically. With no risk. So if you had someone else beside Harry Maguire, like he worked so well with Johnny Evans at times because Johnny Evans was a leader, mm-hmm. and Johnny Evans was directing things. Do you know what I mean? And I just think that and that happens with centre halves. I'm I don't I don't think going down the line Liverpool could have Joe Gomez as their number one centre half. Yeah, I'm not sure. He's a little bit younger. He might develop into that. But as a secondary, you know, like Ferdinand and Vidic. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? As as a secondary, as a pair, brilliant. Yeah, and that's what Maguire's missing. He needs maybe that Vidic beside him. Ferdinand was brilliant and different. Maybe he was much better than Maguire because Ferdinand's arguably maybe him and John Terry two greatest. Him John Terry Van Dijk two greatest, three greatest defenders in the Premier League era. But um, we'll see when Van Dijk's finished. But but you add someone in with him, and that's what United are missing. And if they can go get that centre half, that's what I was trying to say last week. He he hasn't been good enough, Maguire. But if you add someone else in beside him, you'd be sound at centre half. Then you'd yeah. be covered. Do you know what yeah. I mean? You'd be really covered, and then it is obviously the goalkeeper issue. But yesterday's performance, like it was really poor on a whole from the United's back line. They, they didn't look at it, and there was changes into it. And I said this before, I, I, don't, I don't think Solskjaer has it, and I'm still waiting to be proved that he does. He has gone, yes, winning runs, and the front three are brilliant. His man management skills maybe are brilliant. Tactically is where I think he'll be he'll he'll be let down. Um and why I don't think United will win the big trophies. Um, but if you if Pochettino comes into that squad in the summer, the league's in trouble. And the same a few players, which they inevitably yeah. Yeah. are going to. The league will be in trouble, and then and and they will be able to say they'll be back because I, I think honestly do think he'll push everyone. Um, Miguel Delaney said the same thing when he was on our podcast a couple of weeks ago. Um, you're playing Arsenal in the cup final, Brenton. Mm-hmm. I was saying to uh, my wonderful wife today we had a day trip to Newcastle with Finn, and he loved it. Um, but we're saying today that for the first time in years, a cup final that isn't involved, an FA Cup final for an for has got me excited. 
and it's one that hasn't involved Liverpool. Everyone listens to this will know I don't have any time for the FA Cup, but to see the two cousins face off against each other, <laughs> cousin cousin Pascal, Jonathan Douglas against Brenton. I cannot wait to sit in the middle of this. Uh, it be brilliant. Arsenal were superb. They've had a brilliant week. Yeah. Mikel Arteta is starting to show signs and he knows what he's at. He has been yeah. t- tactically, he has got it spot on against the two best teams in the league. He has, as Johnny pointed out to us, he has gone a bit of like Mourinho ball where he sort of let the other team have the ball, but he's adapted his t- tactics. And Arsenal have been crying out for this since uh-huh. uh, the last couple of years of Wenger where Veng, Big Veng looked like he was all, he was like sort of sailing off in the sunset and things were going his way. They've been crying out for a manager to come in and do this. And Arteta really impressed me. Arsenal were superb on Saturday. Superb. Yeah. The city looked laboured. They looked like they ran out of options. They ran out of steam. And that's a big, big, big result for them. So how do you see the cup final going now? Because two teams are poised. Yeah. Um, it'll be a good game, I think. Um, I do think that um, Arteta might... If I said this yesterday during the game, that if anybody has watched Chelsea games uh, you know, this year, you understand what you have to do. And that is a low block. And... Arsenal, I think, are going to do that. You know, I think they're going to let Chelsea have the ball um, because I've lost count of the games Chelsea have had this season where they've had overwhelming possession and have done very, very little with it. The thing about United is that they tried to come out and play against Chelsea and that actually worked in Chelsea's favour. So, same with City. Um, You know, it's happened a lot this year. That's why Chelsea have been able to actually turn over some of the big teams. Tottenham as well, twice. Um, oh. So, uh, yeah, I think Arsenal will do something similar or try to do something similar with what they did against City. Um, they, they, I think it's different though. I was, you know, I was going to reference, uh, you know, uh, the Europa League final last year. Chelsea complete now. Arsenal were playing under Emery and Chelsea had Eden Hazard, so that's two big differences. Um, and the Arsenal mentality uh, has not been great against big teams in you know in the last number of years. But I think Arteta is going to bring something different. Definitely, you just saw it in the last two games. You know what I mean? He's, he has an aura about him, doesn't he? Coming yeah. from the TV, like he, like as you said, the big teams like. They, they bamboozled Liverpool in the way they set up. Now, we had 28 chances, I think it was. And, and, and it's funny, it is funny to look back at it and think what, what happened there. But <laughs> Arsenal scored more goals. If you score more goals, you deserve to win the game. It's, it's very simple. It's a simple, yeah. simple game. Football, score more goals than your opponent. Um, and Arsenal did that and they defended very well at times. But then on, sa- on Saturday, they took it to another level. Because yeah. they were they looked much more assured, much more comfortable. And and big Davsy Louise, who our yeah. esteemed friend Jonathan has... has uh, Hasn't been his biggest fan at times. He looked a different player. And and he did an interview after. I don't know if you saw it, but he did an interview afterwards. And he was so endearing in this interview. So, like, lovely talking. And he's all like, I, I know. What is, I know. I know. I get stick and I get abused. And I haven't been good. But I've worked hard and I am working hard. And you forget sometimes the career David Luiz has had behind him and how good he has been at times. Mm-hmm. You kept mentioning it yesterday at home about the season under Conte. Yeah. Um, where he was probably the defender of the season that year. Like, and he was brilliant. And it yeah. is interesting now that Rotella's maybe went, hang on, I can work with this. There, there was a chance for Aubameyang on Saturday, folks. And if you look back at it, David Luiz plays this ball 
15 yards in front of De Bruyne and he puts it through his legs and it slides right through for Aubameyang to run through and it was just it was the most perfect you know when you hit a ball on the ground Brian, it just streamlines across it it was the most yeah. perfect pass and that's what he can do that's what he can add to their game yeah. So this Arsenal team are exciting, and I said this to Jonathan, and I said this in the podcast before. I do think he'll get it right, Arteta, and next season they'll be a team. Yeah, then your Chelsea team now. We'll have to see what Manchester United do, whether they can pip Leicester for the top four. Next season is looking exciting. Yeah. And now you've yeah. Harry Kane scoring goals for Spurs again, and you're thinking, oh, there is a six. Yeah. It- yeah our, you know, Arteta has a has like a cool head, and he, he's ice cold all the time. Um, but to I think to sort of take games as as what they are as individual games and you know create a a tactic for that specific game and then go okay we did that now let's move on to maybe something completely different next week which so, something that Wenger never had you know he had Wenger was obviously unbelievable manager like and. Um, Arsenal fans will say the the best thing to ever come to their club, but that he had a style of play and he stuck to it, and that was it. it you know, cost that was, him in the end. It that was the Arsenal way. Yeah. Um, but I think Arteta has that sort of eye to see what teams are going to do and see what what way they play and try and isolate, you know, certain players and take advantage of the things that he has. For example, David Luiz playing him in the middle of a three um, and giving him the sort of the freedom to make those passes, which he did. Um, so that's, you know, Arsenal under Arteta, as they develop, will be a much bigger challenge, I think. Yeah. Um, and I th- that's why I think that game... Will be that'll be a very good FA Cup final, and yeah. as a neutral, I would be excited about it, um, because I I don't know, you know, usually you as a Chelsea fan, you would think there there's always kind of been a psychological advantage over Arsenal. It probably came with the Mourinho and Wenger era, where Wenger never beat him, um, and going into those big games, you always thought you had a one up on them, but this is a completely different set of circumstances and hopefully we can do it but it, uh, I think it'll be a it'll be a very good game I, I can't call a winner just yet I'm going to see yeah. what happens the last ge- couple of games last games of the season and see if people get injured or if everyone's okay and flying fit and then I'll probably make a decision but I can't can't call a winner at the minute I think it's going to be brilliant um, one other bit of news for the Premier League so Chelsea Liverpool Man United um, Arsenal and Spurs all have a big rival coming up. The Leeds are back in the Premier League, folks. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I and people know this. I absolutely love and adore Marcelo Bielsa and how mental he is. Um, because I'm a shit house and I, and I make no no qualms about that. And if, and if I ever went into management ever, I would try and be like Bielsa and try and spend teams. That's just what I would do. Brenton doesn't love him. Uh, and obviously cannot wait to see what happens next season. I think if the Premier League is anything about them, they'll make that game the first game back. Chelsea v uh, Leeds at Elland Road. The first kick, early kick-off or whatever. Put a late kick-off so people can get drunk and have the crack at it. Fans are out back in all this crack. Just let it blow off. and It'll be brilliant. But I'm really looking forward to seeing Leeds back because, as I mentioned, um, we all kind of hate Leeds. 
in a, in a in a in a nice way, like you know, because they are they're leads, and everyone's all like, oh, we all hate leads. But I'm I'm loving having them back because they're a, they're a massive club. They're a massive club with a massive fan base, and it is great to have them back in the Premier League. Like when we were kids, they were always there. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And they're part of the Premier League, and you do miss them. That's why I wanted Aston Villa to come back in and potentially stay, but doesn't look like they're going to be able to do that. So I'm looking forward to this, and, and under by Elsa, they're going to be a very interesting prospect next season. They're gonna, I think, they're gonna get hooked some games, and they're gonna absolutely thump teams in other games. Yeah. Um, and it just depends who they're playing. Really, to be honest, I'm not just saying like, oh, Man City and Liverpool will thump them because you never know, and they could surprise everyone. But I do think they'll leave themselves open in certain games where they'll, they'll get a thumping, and other games they'll absolutely smash teams. So it is very exciting. And if any Leeds fans listen to this, then um, let us know and get in touch because we'd love to chat these about it. And um. About he's coming in the Premier League because it's going to be chaos when he's come back under El Loco. This is a man that once threatened to open up a, a grenade and throw it into fans uh, when he was in charge. I think it was, was it Rosario or Newell's old boys. I'm not sure. And instead of the fans running off, this created the myth of Bielsa more or less and exploded into a big fandom. So, yeah, I can't wait. Um, it'd be interesting when Chelsea and Leeds do play, how Lampard plays it. Mm. Um, I'm sure... He recognises, like, if Pochettino and Pep and all their managers are all calling about so one of the greatest and people they aspire to and and learn from, I'm sure Lampard recognises that as well. So I'm sure there will be a bit more of animosity towards each other. Um, I don't think Lampard has that in him, really, to be sort of nasty and hold grudges or anything. I'm sure he'll just be like, ah, he's back. And, but it is going to be very, very interesting. And it is so funny that they're back and we all hate them. I think that's brilliant. Um <laughs> Maybe I should have been a Leeds fan as a child because yeah, I, like, like I, like, yeah. I like I like everyone hating me and maybe maybe I should have been, but um yeah that's gonna be interesting. Before we move on, um obviously Kai Havertz we talked about that you're very excited about that it's gonna be interesting. Um Watford, mm. what in the utter fook are they at? Four managers now, uh, this season. Um, what is going on? There should be, there should be, for start, they shouldn't be allowed to do that. That that should yeah. not be allowed to happen. Unless circumstances, somebody gets ill or God forbid or something happens, then yes. But this shouldn't be allowed to happen. It, like, if they get relegated now, they totally deserve it. Oh, yeah. Like, I actually hope they do get relegated. Um, <laughs> only, <laughs> sorry, that sounds harsh. But just, just for those owners, like, there's, there's so many questions. Like, Number one, why, why, why would you do this now? You know, <laughs> what if you want to do it at the end of the season? Okay, still doesn't make sense if uh, if he, uh, Pearson was to keep Watford up, which kind of like looks like it's going to happen anyway. But yeah. that is, you know, it's so disrespectful um, to to fire a manager at this point in the season who's who's kind of fist you out of certain uh, yep. relegation um, and put together a run and you know brought players back to form who looked like like Watford are they're a strange team sometimes you know they look um, really really good at times against Liverpool for mm-hmm. example mm-hmm. Um, and then you know you, you'll maybe look at their results you know, three four weeks later, and they've lost every game since. You know, it doesn't doesn't make sense at all. Like, Sar, what what a great player he's been um, under Pearson. You know, yep. That that you would need to add. Um, you know, Danny Welbeck, he's he's yeah, brought back into form there in the last couple of weeks as well. He's got some important goals. 
Uh, obviously, Danny kept there and getting goals in good form. So, like, the only explanation, and I'm sure it'll come out, is that there's been a massive fallout and, you know, things have been said, blah, blah, blah. But the professional thing to do is, I mean, two games left, just just finish the season and then sort it out off the pitch. Now, you know, you've you've thrown it into a whole shitstorm, a media shitstorm, and it's going to affect the players. You know, maybe, you know, Point, I'm pretty sure, I know they're playing Arsenal and Man City, but, you know, Point would, would guarantee their safety, I think, maybe. Yeah, they're um, not going to get it. Watford are going down. Yeah, I mean, I know that other teams have to do certain things for them to get relegated, but... Yeah, I think that's Villa maybe winning both their games or or something like that. Yeah. Um, which may not happen, but uh, it's it's kind of hard to explain. Like, <laughs> it's like, uh, and also you you're absolutely right when you say they shouldn't be allowed to do it. Like, I don't know what the rules should be, but there should be something that you're only have one managerial change in a season, or you know, just to protect job, protect managers' jobs, like protect. The the contracts that they're given, it's obviously all like it's on the behest of the owners. Like obviously, it's another it's another issue where we talked about this with um with the, um, Miguel and um we've talked about it since. Obviously, with the Man City decision and football owners, um Newcastle potential new owners, but there should be a test you know, of these people to make sure that they are fit and proper yeah. um, to, to run a football club because if these are just business people who want to turn over money, then they shouldn't be anywhere near this game and they shouldn't yeah. be anywhere near uh, yeah, a club like Watford who um, have got great history. Yeah, it, it, st- it stinks a bit. Like, there's, I'm sure it'll come out. There's, some, there's something not right there. No. You would hope that it is like a fallout with Pearson and not something that got Wigan debacle. You go, you know what you know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah, you yeah. just don't know what's happening in football now, so it, it does stink and it is um I've heard a lot of Watford fans recently, you know, uh, uh, in the last couple of days, uh saying that they haven't been happy about these owners for a while now, you know, I, so yeah. it um it really wouldn't surprise me if Pearson has challenged them in some way or there there has been a fallout at some level. Um, what the obviously the biggest story in world football uh, last week was the fact that Real Oviedo secured uh, their stay in Segunda. Um, obviously, yeah. I, I stopped talking as much about Real Oviedo on the podcast um, because when I did, they were getting they were kept getting beat and they were bottom of the league at one point or jo- just above uh, joint bottom. But so I stopped doing it because I'm a superstitious agent and I didn't want to talk about it anymore. I didn't want to jinx anything. I didn't whatever. But um, no, they stayed up. Uh, they're one of informed teams. They've done this since, since the restart as well. Out of the last eleven games, whatever I think they've won eight and lost one and drew the other two. They, they were they've been flying. So really looking forward to next season now with Real Oviedo and on how things go. But delighted. It, it was quite stressful as well uh, watching it and watching them. And then on the other hand, I had Liverpool winning the league. And I have no money invested in Liverpool. I'm, I'm obviously a t- two shares in Oviedo, so it feels a bit different. But it was it was a bit of stressful trying to like. And I'll balance both of them. So delighted that that was secure, and and I'll hopefully get the chance to get over very soon and see a game. So 
Um, yeah, but weird things happen in Spain. Obviously, Ligana is getting relegated when they're allowed to sell Brathwaite to Barcelona, but they weren't allowed to buy a replacement. Um, I'd like to think that'll be investigated because that obviously isn't right or fair. But yeah, Barcelona we, uh, involved again. Barcelona involved again, and another reason why we not really huge fans of what they do. Um, so yeah, obviously Hazard's won La Liga. Just man, just man wins things. Just, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, could he add another a Champions League? Could Real Madrid add another Champions League? It it's looking like they could possibly do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's that's sort of us for this week. As we mentioned at the start of the podcast, um, and I'm speaking a wee bit lower here, folks, because baby Finn's gone to bed next door, and am I goosed for waking him? No chance. Um. But we have Peter Smith coming on from the Stoke uh, Sentinel to talk to us about the brilliant job Michael O'Neill has done at Stoke. Uh, Out of of the top six teams, um, his Stoke have been in the best form since he's took over, I think, or has been one of the top six teams. I remember I got that wrong in the championship, but they've been flying since he took over. Um, 30 points out of a possible 45. Um, they're only on 15 or something stupid points or whatever it was when he took over as well so they, they weren't doing great and he's just come in and boof um, fired them up the league which we thought he would do because mm-hmm. we know what he's done here in Northern Ireland so we're very happy with that so we're going to have Peter Smith on top with us if you're a Northern Ireland fan or whatever or a Michael O'Neill fan and you have any questions for us drop us a line at the thesportsbabble at gmail.com or get on touch uh, get in touch with us via our Twitter at the thesportsbabble Um and as I said during that podcast or part of it, we'll have, hopefully have a little voice message from the Jonathan, um, the Bile Jonathan, about his beloved Arsenal and how they've been getting on. So, folks, um, thanks very much for listening this week. Brenton, thank you as, well, as always for coming on. No problem. I don't know why I keep saying that, like, because you produce the podcast and I always like to <laughs> coming on. But anyway, uh, folks, speak to you on Friday. Enjoy the week. Um, enjoy the rest of the football. And this is Monday night, so you won't be hearing this now, but Don Raul's about to kick off for Wolves. Never miss Don Raul. Right, folks, good luck. <laughs>